Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Did you have a nice weekend, Ollie? I did have a nice weekend. Well, half of it was nice, half of it was not so nice. I was at a stag day on Saturday. Oh no. And uh, there's a good sort of... Where was it? It was on a boat and like a floss boat. Do you know what they are? Did, anybody, like you get did anybody fall overboard? Nobody, not to my knowledge, but there's okay. a good sort of six hours or so that... Just missing. Did you drive the boat? I absolutely not. No, the, wow. we got a long kind of uh, we got a long sort of telling off at the start, like before we'd done anything. If the designated driver <laughs> is not stone cold sober when you get back, <laughs> then we're calling the police. So uh, yeah, that sort of breathalyze them at the end just to make sure. <laughs> I, I wouldn't remember, but um, yeah, but that was that was a very nice day. The next day was not so nice as you can oh, the imagine. For, Where was it in Berlin? It wasn't Berlin, yeah. It was out uh, west, out in like sort of Vansy kind of area. Lovely. And it was, it was very nice. It was a nice yeah. part of the world. It was sailing past all the rich people's houses mm-hmm. and seeing how the other half lives. And I was at a, a rich person's wedding in Switzerland. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. Very, nice. very nice. Open bar? Pardon? Open bar? Yeah. Well, With an go. aggressive champagne policy. An aggressive, aggressive champagne policy. Aggressive, as in lit, you couldn't, you could, it was almost impossible to have anything other than full. I see. Okay. Right. You had problems with that? No, 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 not at all. But it was just, it was aggressive. All right. I'm in favor of aggressive champagne policies. Yeah. I I feel like one football should have one on podcast days. (laughs) (laughs) A champagne podcast. (laughs) Which leads me to ask, this is something I was thinking about over Mm. the weekend. Um, When it comes to weddings Mm. and dancing, do you sort of stand by the side or do you get involved? Do you get right in the middle of the floor? It depends on a partner. Well, say you're with uh, your lovely other half. If she really wants to to dance, I'll do it. But, but not I'm not going to be the one saying, let's dance, you know? No? No. Not even if, say... Usually because uh, most... Uh, I, would, I, I, I don't want to say it like that, but most... Most of the time, the music in weddings, they, 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 it's just crap. It's so pretty bad, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like dancing to crap. Well, what about like, say, Daft Punk one more time? It's a, it's a bit crappy, but... What? what? Uh, Dre? Yeah, yes, it is. I, I forgot things. he's a music snob. Yeah. This is the, the, I, uh, the, I'm the classic sort of awkward white guy. The, like, the, I don't want to jump in too quickly, but I also don't want to be sort of obviously avoiding dancing so you know it's wait until there's a few more people on the dance floor and then get involved that that music and that record marks the beginning of the end of Daft Punk as I know it I thought it was one there was one where they sounded like they just left the sequencer on I can't remember the name of it (laughs) and that was pretty awful anyway that's enough of that Right. Joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football Podcast are two of the finest football brains the podcast has to offer and two season debuts at that. How special. It's Andrew Gonzalez. Hello. And Ollie Moody. Hello. Welcome back, gentlemen. Thank you. Should you wish to get in touch, dear listener, the email to send your love, abuse or questions to is podcast at onefootball.com or you can do it the old-fashioned way and get in touch on iTunes, give the pod a rating and leave a comment to let us know how you think we are doing. So we talked about it last week. You weren't here, but we did talk about it and we were right. The Liverpool-Manchester City game was the one to watch. Where would we like to start with this one? Shall we start with some praise for Manchester City? Because 
you'll be interested to know. They inflicted the joint biggest margin of defeat for Jurgen Klopp as a manager Oof. since October 2006. Who was that against? That was Vedder Bremen against Mainz 6-1. Oof. Oof. Heavy. Indeed. So a bit of praise for Manchester City? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that front line that they've got, or the attacking options generally, are just fearsome, aren't they? Ouch. Aguero and Gabriel Jesus up front, like um, the two of them just look sensational. Aguero's been one of the great players in the Premier League for whatever it is, five, six years now. And even though there was some talk sort of towards the end of last season, through the summer, that maybe he could be sold. Mm. I saw even... <laughs> linked to Arsenal, right? Yeah, exactly. The, the classic sort of transfer window madness, you know, being linked in a swap deal with Sanchez. Um, why would he? Why would he go to Arsenal? And I say that as an Arsenal fan, like he, sh- they should be winning the Premier League this year. Man City, I think they've got far and away the best front, uh, the best first eleven, the best uh, attacking lineup. Um, even beyond those two, De Bruyne pulling the strings brilliantly. That's who I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Kevin De Bruyne. Three superb assists. Had a hand in the fourth goal. He's something else. He's unbelievable. And since that year at Wolfsburg where he just tore the Bundesliga up. Um, he's He's been a stunning player and he's been excellent, if a little bit, um, what's the word? Not quite convincing everybody in the Premier League, I think. Um, I think he needs consistency. Yeah, needs that's the problem. I remember last season he started so well. In the first uh, five, six matches, he was absolutely incredible. And then it, it disappeared, almost. Mm. Um, but I remember that when he was at, at, um, at, at Wolfsburg, I remember that I, I watched a lot of matches and, and I thought, damn, this guy, what, what the hell is he doing in, in, at Wolfsburg? He, he needs to, to, find, to find himself in some other league, in some other, in some other club. And uh, playing at, at City uh, with Pep, uh, and now, now, now it's the time, definitely. Did you enjoy that pass for of course Sergio they did. Guero's first goal? I, I, I really, I really like the Bruyne, and uh, it's always a pleasure to to watch him and and, and to watch this city with um, with also David Silva. Ah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a delight. I keep forgetting that's David Silva. But yeah, because uh, what, what a weird um, look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, terrible haircut. He needs to sort that out, doesn't he? Grow it back, David. Yeah, you think yeah. that's the advice? Definitely. Not to sort of, <laughs> uh, not to sort of just give up on it because it's you know it's a bit. <laughs> It's a bit weak on top, you know. It's going it's, it's to grow up again, right? So he's criticizing David Silva's hairline here. Is that what's happening? Yeah, that's what we've that's what we've come stay to. In LA and yeah, place, stay in my name. <laughs> okay, uh, we mentioned Aguero and uh, Jesus. One thing I wanted to point out, or maybe you guys noticed this already, was for the fourth goal when that beautiful pass by was it Fernandinho? I think it was Fernandinho. I think it was uh, sent Aguero through on goal. Now that's Aguero through on goal, <laughs> one on one with Mignolet. You and he gave it away, right? He gave it away. Gave it away. Yeah. If ever there was a political pass in the history of football, that was the <laughs> political pass. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought this up because when I saw that, um, I thought that must be of all the goals that they've scored, that must be the one that really makes Pep happy because. There's been all this talk about those two competing with each other, but if you can get the two playing together, then that is absolute gold dust. And um, for Aguero, as you say, through on goal, one-on-one, in previous years, he would have shot himself. He would have uh, put it away time and time again. To set up Jesus is a really big statement from him, and it shows that the two can work together, and that is frightening. I've seen a lot of pundits in the in the last couple of weeks saying that there is no way uh, Jesus and Aguero can play together. 
and I, and I said to, to Dan, man, if you have these two, you have to find a way of playing them both up front. You just, you just have to. And, uh, and I think that finally Pep is, is uh, trying to do that and it works. I mean, it, it, it was a very special game because, uh, you know, the send off, it was just one nil the game was not, was not easy, not at all. And, uh, the red card changed everything, uh, but still it worked. Now let's see in the upcoming months if it's uh, if it's uh, the dynamic duo we all expect. I was watching it on some sort of American stream, I think, and the first thing the commentator said after the after the goal was, "Who said these players can't play together?" <laughs> there you go. So yeah, political pass. Leroy, we're going to talk about that red card in a second. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk about Leroy Sané's goal. Mm-hmm. Woof. Woof, indeed. The second one. And uh, it's My God. it's a really nice goal for him because, you know, he's been criticised, or not criticised, but people have said in the past that he's just a speed merchant, that uh, all he can do is run very quickly. Um, and he showed, I think, with both of goal, both of his goals that he's got a lot more technically than people gave him credit for. Um, the first one as well was a very nice first-time finish. Mm-hmm. Um, he sort of laid the ball out wide in the first place as well to show the build-up play. Um, so the first goal I thought um, he deserved a lot of credit for, but then that second one just absolutely leathered into the top corner. Glorious. Oh, so precise. Yeah. So very precise. Okay, so... We haven't even mentioned Raheem Sterling, who, you know, obviously didn't play in this game, but that's another option that City <laughs> have there. And but I, I don't see... I don't, so much. I don't see him playing much, to be honest. Sterling? Yeah. Pep's a huge fan. He scored the equaliser in yeah, the Yeah, you have so many. Game. You have so many options, and uh, in my opinion, better options than Sterling. But they're right going to, I mean, they're going to play 60, 70 yard games this season. Yeah, true. He'll get his chance. I wouldn't worry too much if I was Raheem Sterling. Yeah. Bernardo's still there too. <laughs> They've just got so many players in, yeah. for those front sort of three or four positions. It's phenomenal. I mean, a word of caution. I, I think as Dan pointed out uh, last week or the week before, City did win their opening 10 or whatever games last season and then mm-hmm. it all faltered badly. But, you know, we'll see. Anyway, Jurgen Klopp described the red card shown to Sadio Mane as very unlucky. He what? I'm, I miss this. This, this, is an, this is the quote from Jurgen Klopp. He do, says, Sadio Mane was how do you define very unlucky. His boots head height. He twatted him right in the face. He's yeah. He's injured him pretty badly, right? He's so cheekbone he, injuries and whatnot. I I understand why there are the, the there is so many um, pundits and and people in general um, outraged with the red card, but. It is a red card. You can you cannot avoid it. it it's it's a, it's a very dangerous play. He hit Ederson in the face. I don't think he was malicious. He he, he didn't try to uh, to, to kill mm-hmm. <laughs> Ederson. But it's a pretty the, low bar we're setting there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but 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 it happened, and in uh, it was it was very very dangerous. So it's a red card. Yeah, definitely. For me, even if he doesn't connect with Ederson. Even if he doesn't hit him in the face, that's still a red card because it's dangerous play. And, you know, if you allow that kind of thing, then strikers are always going to go in and, and forwards are always going to go in with their foot high and think, well, hey, maybe the keeper will bottle it and uh, I'll get a, a free run on goal. Well, can I read you what Chris Sutton had to say about it? Go for it. Chris Sutton, by the way, one of my favourite pundits of all time because he just says ridiculous things all the time. <laughs> uh, I know Graham Pohl and his referee mates will talk about the letter of the law and dangerous play, but any centre forward or goal scorer has to go for the ball. If Mane beats the keeper to the ball, if he nicks it past the keeper, it's a goal. That's the ultimate reward and that is why he has to go for it. And Alan Shearer said exactly the same. And uh, It's I- irrelevant though. I, because they didn't, and he caught. If I were a striker, I would probably try to to go to that ball, uh, but I would be sent off. 
Yeah. After hitting the Ederson, I would I mean, be enough. You can go for it with your head if you want, like, you know, try and beat the keeper that way. But to put your foot up like that, we saw exactly how dangerous it could be because Ederson had to be taken off and now would appear to have some pretty nasty facial injuries. And I think to to try and justify that by saying, oh, maybe he could have scored a goal. We shouldn't be putting goalkeepers in situations where they have to make split second decisions of, do I potentially allow myself to be concussed or do I try and stop a goal from being scored? That's just outrageous comments well one of the most interesting comments I or the one I agree with most was from Keith Hackett the former referee mm. uh, who said uh, it was also argued that there was no intent on behalf of the Liverpool player to cause harm that is completely irrelevant players have a duty of care towards their opponents yeah true yeah. I agree so we're all agreed then red card absolutely yeah. but none of us are former players and it does seem that mostly it's the former players who think I said if, if I were a striker I would go for that ball and I would be sent off okay no That's problem true. with that. That's true. Should we move on from that then? Let's or is there anything else you wanted to say about Manchester City Liverpool? Yeah, I'd say about Liverpool perhaps, you know, because coming on the back of the, the win against Arsenal where they just demolished Arsenal. Um, they're defending maybe? Yeah, they're, I mean, Arsenal really didn't put them under much pressure defensively despite having quite a lot of possession in that game. We've seen now just how fragile that defence is. And when you look at the, the players involved, you've got Moreno, Clavan, Matip and Alexander-Arnold. That, for me, is not a top-four defence. Never. Let alone a Premier no League-winning defence. You know, I'm really surprised with the lack of action from, from Liverpool in the transfer window. They Same sh- in goal as well with Mignolet and Carrius. Like mm. Neither of them has really convinced uh, in their time at Liverpool. And the fact that Liverpool didn't go out and spend big on a centre-half. I know they wanted Van Dijk, but when it became clear they weren't going to get him, you go for someone else. It, it, looked, it looked like Van Dijk was the only centre-back in the world. It, did, it was it ridiculous. Did, it? The, the, the whole summer trying to sign Van Dijk in the end, oh, it didn't didn't work out. I mean, there's a lot of centre-backs in the world. I know because I, I've seen a couple. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, would you say that, you know, Virgil van Dijk was the only available centre-back who wasn't even available by the sounds of it? Yeah. Who is better than Ragnar Klavan? <laughs> Come on. Like, they, they've got to be able to do better than that. Okay. Well, that's probably enough on that then. Mm-hmm. Um, last week saw the rather interesting announcement that the Premier League transfer window will be closing early next year on the Thursday before the start of the season of 5pm. Uh, good thing or a bad thing, gentlemen? What do we think? It's a logical step, isn't it? Um, really, I think it's the most illogical step they've ever made. Really? Well, because what you need for this to be successful is for all the major leagues to hold hands jump at the same time. Otherwise, it's pointless because they can. Liverpool can still have the same problem with Coutinho this like, yeah. next season because their transfer will, the window will be closed, but Spain's won't, so they can still go out and buy Coutinho. Okay, sure, I see what you mean. Yeah. Like the Premier League doing mm-hmm. it on its own yes. is an illogical step. Completely agree with you. Um, but generally, it were the Bundesliga, the French League, the La Liga, uh, Serie A, all to do this as well, um, and I believe it is being discussed in a couple of different leagues, um, that would be... A perfectly logical step because then um, you've got everybody sorted out with their transfer business before the start of the season. And you know, I hate the fact that the transfer window goes on past the, the first few games because you're watching the first couple of games that your team plays, knowing that they might still bring in another player. And if you lose one of those opening games, you then feel like you've kind of been cheated by the club not bringing in the player earlier. And yeah, I just once the football starts, I want to be focused on the football and not wondering about the million trash clickbait articles that are going out every day. Nothing wrong with those. <laughs> I'm, I, I, you need to close the, the transfer window earlier. Uh, no doubts about that. But it, it, it needs to be made within a block 
all the yeah. leagues need to uh, unite and do it. The the Premier League next next season is going to uh, have a big handicap because mm-hmm. what did you just mention? Uh, every other league in Europe can go and buy players from from England. It's not easy because they're quite expensive, as we know, but they still can do it. Um, and I don't think that closing the 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 window on the Thursday before it's it's it, before the first match it's I don't think that's a logical um, date. I would go for uh, two weeks in advance because oh really yeah because if if I if I Im- imagine you're you're a coach mm-hmm. you're spend weeks and weeks preparing your team to to play in in the league and then you work the whole week thinking of your uh, match day Saturday or Sunday and then Thursday you lost you're gonna you're gonna lose two three guys from your team just like ah. this. I see what you mean. So the problem mm-hmm. is still there. So you need to do it with a couple of weeks in advance. Uh, as if if you're if you're a coach and you're preparing a team, you need to have some time in advance. It, it doesn't work that way. That's that's the way companies think. That's not the way football should think. There we go. Well, let's move on a bit from all of that then. Or was there something else you wanted to raise? Um, from uh, transfer window point of view, no. But I would just like to say about uh, the Bundesliga. We had, for the first time ever, I you believe your, in one of... You and your Bundesliga I know, agenda. I know, I just can't stop. Um, for the first time ever, I believe in one of the top five leagues in Europe, we had a female referee mm-hmm. uh, taking charge of a top flight men's game when uh, Hertha took on Bremen. Uh, Bibi Einer Steinhaus uh, has been refing in the second division for 10 years already. Um, and I think she deserves a lot of praise for for making it to the top flight. Absolutely deserved as well. She's a very good referee. Um, she's had to put up with a lot of nonsense based purely on being a woman mm-hmm. um, in the last 10 years. Uh, even just a couple of years ago, 2015, uh, Karen Demirbay, who now plays for Hoffenheim, was banned for five games. Um, this is when he was at Dusseldorf because he said that after she just sent him off, he said that women have no place in men's football. Oh, God. And, you know, this is just two years ago. And so what I what I really hope that we're going to see from this is a change in perceptions and that we don't hear comments like that anymore. And uh, yeah, so c- congratulations to yeah. Bibi. Well done, her. Hmm. Okay, so this week sees the return of the Champions League. Uh, does that get you excited, gentlemen? Very. Slightly. Oh, well, I'm quite I'm excited not, about I'm it. Big, I'm not the, the biggest fan of, uh, of of the Champions League as it stands these days. You'd prefer a knockout competition? No, I prefer uh, you know the, all this um, four pots. I yeah. find it nonsense. Oh, there are a lot of restrictions, and yeah. I, don't, I don't like restrictions. You're a free trade type of guy. Yeah, completely. And when it comes to to a competition like that, I I, I really cannot stand that. If uh, a team plays, like if, if a team from a country uh, is is drawn on on a, on a Tuesday, the other team plays on a on a Wednesday because of TV rights. So when you're uh, you were drawing the second team, you already know that that team is not going to end up in the first four groups. Mm-hmm. They need to go to the second mm-hmm. round of groups. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just nonsense. It's pure, almost like TV nonsense. rights are more important than anything it, it's else. It's almost yeah. like money is more important than football, mm. right? So looking through the groups, which ones have you pegged as the ones to watch? Well, there's a few that have got uh, a couple of very big teams in, teams in them. Yeah. Um, so Group B, you've got Bayern and PSG. Group D, Barca and Juve, which was obviously the final uh, a couple of years ago here in Berlin. You forgot uh, about Celtic in Group B. Did I? Oh, oh it's... it's uh, how that happened. 
<laughs> Sorry, Ian. Um, but look, there's a, there's a couple that have got three big teams in them, even depending on how you define a big team. Like Group H, you've got Real, yeah. Dortmund, and Spurs, and I think Oof. that's going to be yeah. Really, so really good I would to like watch. to mention also Group C with uh, Atleti, Chelsea, and um, Roma. Roma. Mm. It's going to be juicy. And I think the quietly interesting one, that perhaps wouldn't have got as many uh, headlines, but Group G, you've got Porto, yeah. Monaco, and uh, RB Leipzig. I agree. I, I saw some, some, some guys saying that it, it almost looked like a Europa League group. But the fact is, all all um, the teams in, in that group, they're quite even. So mm. you have no idea what's going to happen. And Leipzig and, and, have started the season well. And Monaco it, did too. In, in a group like... Uh, um, I don't know, this one with Barca, Juve, Sporting and Olympiacos, you kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah, same with Bayern and PSG. Sporting to go tough. Of course, it's (laughs) going to happen. (laughs) But um, Are we giving Group H the group of death? I think so. Yeah. 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 I'm really curious to see what what is uh, Pochettino doing. Spurs are going to come bottom. They're going to get knocked out. And that's how they're (laughs) going to win the league. And my prediction will eventually come true. I mean, Spurs... Have still got to sort out their their Wembley issue, haven't they? Yeah. Because that was the big problem, seemingly the big problem anyway, mm-hmm. in the Champions League last year when they knocked out in the group stage by Leverkusen, despite Leverkusen being terrible. Um, and Monaco, I think, were also in that group, if I remember correctly. I noticed Manchester United have got an easy group. That almost never happens to Yeah, me. right? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Crazy how that happens. I was doing the, the live show for One Football actually, with um, Max Merrill, and he's a Man United fan. He was absolutely delighted. He couldn't stop talking about yeah. uh, how great it was for Manchester United. And, like, you, know, you know how much fun that would have been for me as an Arsenal yeah, fan, yeah, and my team imagine. not being involved. But. So, <laughs> which teams are going to struggle? Which teams are going to strive? I, I would Tottenham kind of yeah. this one. I, could, I just can't see them finishing. In the top two in that group, I have no, to say. I mean, Dortmund played Real Madrid in the group stage last year, I think, and uh, did pretty well against them. Got a draw, uh, yeah. two draws, I think it was. If this solve, if this solve their their home home problem right now, mm-hmm. I can see something interesting happen. Where at Tottenham? Yeah, really. But only if they sort the, this problem out. Oh, Otherwise, okay. um, I mean, in Westfalen Stadion in in Bernabeu, I'm, they're not going to win. I don't think so. Okay. Mm. Who's yeah. going to who's going to strive then? We are do we do we have any more struggles? I mean, Manchester United will get through their group. That's fairly easy. Yeah, I would have thought so. We um, imagine Bayern and PSG. I think there could be a shot for Atleti. You know, Chelsea and Roma in there. If if Roma has uh, a good uh, good opening few games, yeah, true, I agree. Um, then I can I see Atleti Chelsea not qualifying on really? this group. No, uh, yeah, honestly, I, I can see that happening. You can call me crazy, but I'll call you crazy. Conte know how to. Play against an Italian team, do you think? What do we make of Liverpool's group? Maribor, Sevilla, Spartak, Moscow? A couple of tricky ones in there. Sevilla, good team. And Spartak, Moscow is you know, just one of those games that you don't want to have to go it's awkward, all the way it? to Moscow in like yeah. late November yeah. or whatever. And um, But I think they still should qualify from that group. I tell you what would be one of the most interesting games, and this I think you'll appreciate, Dre, is Manchester City against Napoli. Yeah, that's going to be good. All, all, all uh, matches involving Napoli are usually interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So we got a couple of really big games already in the first round, haven't we? Barca Juve. Oh yeah, this is uh, what I wanted to ask you next. What games uh-huh. are you what games are you most looking forward to this week? Barca Juve is the big one, isn't it? Yeah, that's the big one. That's uh, tomorrow night, isn't it? It was Tuesday night. It um, is indeed, yes. And then Roma Atleti on Roma the same Atleti, night as well. Yeah. Oof. Which could be I mean what I've just been talking about, you know, that could be the the one to really set things in motion. Yeah, for yeah, and then we teams. we have a uh, Liverpool Sevilla mm-hmm. next day. It's gonna be also quite interesting. Leipzig Monaco could be a could be a fun one. Lots yeah, of, lots of attacking. It's going to be entertaining in for sure. Yeah, the way Leipzig played on uh, on Friday night, 
And Timo Werner scoring just a brilliant yeah. breakaway goal. Like more of that, please. And that's exactly how Monaco were playing last season. And of course, uh, Spurs, uh, Dortmund. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's this that's, week. It is. It is. Oh, that's yeah. a great one. Yeah. Oh, and that's in Wembley too. Yeah. <laughs> Nice easy three points for uh, Borussia Dortmund. Then. <laughs> Dortmund's last game at Wembley was the uh, Champions League final, wasn't it? Against Bayern, where they didn't quite lost it. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Time. Okay. Uh, of course, we love gazing into a crystal ball on this podcast, and we are spectacularly good at it. <laughs> we do. Well, we, we do that. I do. I okay. Do. So I want your winner, and I want your reasoned and sensible justification for it. Ollie, you want to go first? Uh, I can't offer a reason or sensible justification, perhaps, but I think it's going to be one of the Manchester teams. What? Yeah. Whoa. I think... Well, he, pulled, he pulled that out of left field, didn't I, he? I would never pick an English team for that. Okay, well, let him, let him justify okay, it. Just, Come on, we'll let him justify I think it. For it. City, for the reasons that we talked about earlier, their attack is just ludicrous, and they've, they've signed a few players to sort out their defence a little bit as well. A couple of full-backs and, and Edison in goal. And it looks like it's working so far. Only two goals conceded out of four league games. Um, and if if Pep can really get Aguero and Gabriel Jesus, you know, playing together as we saw at the weekend, and um, they can bring he can bring in players like Sané who can bang in a couple of goals, then that's such a formidable team. I think it's going to take a lot to beat that. And Man United, I just have this feeling um, with Mourinho that he he's really going to go for it this season. Okay, well, Andre, who are you going for? I'm going even for a crazier pick, probably Sporting. <laughs> no. <laughs> That would be nice, but no, it's, um, I think, PSG, finally. Oh, After no, all, don't no. say it. Yeah, uh, uh, they were already serious contenders in the past. And it's not, it's not because they, uh, it's also, also because of that, but it's, it, it's not my prior uh, reason. They spent a lot of money in, um, in uh, Neymar and Mbappe. We all know about that. But m most important thing, to me about about the PSG team is the second year of uh, Unai Emery and um, in the end of the season last season they were playing really well in the beginning of the season they already uh, they're showing some some sparks so I can see uh, PSG pulling that off finally you're not worried about their defense well their sentiment field their defense is quite compact okay I think the sentiment field they just let themselves left themselves a little bit light in terms of numbers you know, they let Petroviak and, and um, Matuidi go, didn't bring in anyone of real quality for the central positions. I just wonder, you know, if they're playing, if they're, they're going for it in three competitions, um, a couple of injuries and they might suddenly, you know, be very reliant on a 35-year-old Thiago Mott. So it's been a few weeks already, but we've yet to talk about Spain and La Liga. Shall we start with the big derby from the weekend, Dre? And then we'll go into the Barcelona crisis? Yeah, uh, there's not much to say about the the, the derby, uh, the Catalan derby. 5-0. It was 5-0. Um, it was an easy match. Hat-trick to Messi. Yeah, it was kind of uh, normal, <laughs> if, you, if you consider the recent history between uh, those two. And um, it's Barcelona are playing uh, very interesting football. Oh, I yeah. I have to admit. Um, some people were kind of skeptical, but they now realize that Ernesto Valverde is probably the right man for the job. Um, 
And um, I'm more interested about the institutional crisis than the results because the the results they're there. We, we, we can we can spot them, mm -hmm. and they're they're quite good so far. The Barca are leading. They're first in the table alongside Real Sociedad. Boom! Yeah, three wins and three matches. And the last time that Real Sociedad made it made it sound like this, it was in '82, and they won the league. Good year, '82. '82. Really? Yeah, very good year. <laughs> very, very good year. Uh, you mentioned the institutional crisis at Barcelona. Can I read you a quote from Neymar? Go for he it. Speaking recently, he said, I'm disappointed with the board. I spent four years there and was very happy. I began happy, spent four years happy and left happy. Keyword here is happy. <laughs> but not with them. For me, they shouldn't be in charge of Barca. Barca deserve much better. And everyone knows this. Does everybody know this? How bad is the board? Come on, tell us. Spill the beans here. How bad? That's that's a tricky question because um, when it comes to when when it comes to, to such a big big club like like Barca, they don't represent just a club. They they represent a nation, the Catalan nation. So um, there are a lot of, of disappointment with the way things with, uh, were were deal in the last couple of years. Um, you mean with transfers? With transfers. Contract uh, there's there's currently a motion of um, of confidence or no confidence in this case um, propelled by Augusti Benedito, which um, is a former candidate to the presidency of uh, of Barca. Okay, and uh, the, the the basis for for this motion is the the poor financial management. Barca are not creating enough money these days, so they say that. Uh, such a big club should uh, make more revenue every year and they're, they're not doing that well. Hold on, the complaint is that they're not making enough money. Yeah. It's not, we're not producing enough good players or anything like that. That was my first Oh, that's, that's, another, that's another question. Oh, that's so another there, question. there are okay, several. We'll so yeah. there, there's the, the commercial problem. Uh, there's a lack of leadership and long-term plan for the club. Uh, problems to renew some key players' contracts. Uh, the way Neymar left, it's it's a big big problem in the all the the soap opera with the, with the, his dad and all that stuff uh the involvement of barca with qatar oh he mentioned that did he yeah nice because uh, it was uh it was critical about the involvement at Russell with qatar mm -hmm. and uh augusti benedito also uh, says that uh, uh Russell and bartomeo they're pretty much the same thing when it comes to making deals with qatar he says that you should not make any deals with Qatar because uh, it's a corrupt state. So reportedly. <laughs> exactly. So and, <laughs> it's a and reportedly corrupt state. And 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 uh in the top of all this, uh, Neymar left and uh in the last couple of years there were some questionable signings. Um they uh, miserably failed to to get Coutinho. It was kind of a panic move but but they failed. So this is a big, big institutional crisis uh, they have to deal with. And, and uh, how are they going to turn it all around? Can they turn it all around? It's it's weird because uh, so the, 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 since Bartomeu took over uh, the 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 big big plan of behind Barca, the whole La Masia thing, it kind of disappeared. You got to be honest. It, it they disappeared. Went, they went Galactico. They went mm. Galactico. They, they, mm. they, they used to say uh, that Barca create talent and Madrid buy it. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the, in the last three years, things changed drastically. And now we see 
Barca doing exactly the same thing and forgetting about La Masia. Um, you can see the problem that this is causing in the squad as well. When you look at some of their key players, like Iniesta and Mascherano are 33 now. PK, Messi, Messi and Suarez all 30. Yeah. Bush gets Rakitic and the top new signing, Paulinho, uh, 29. So this is a really like aging squad and some of the real key players as well. Iniesta, Pique, Messi, Suarez, the entire centre midfield basically as well is, you know, approaching the 30 mark. And you have to feel that part of that is that they don't have these graduates coming through from La Masia and, um, you know, staking a claim to go into the first team. It also um, they they used to um, to give some time and space uh, to the clubs, to the homegrown clubs, and they're not doing that anymore. Uh, you, you you don't expect Denis Suarez to become a top player uh, playing ten minutes every weekend, or sometimes not even playing. Um, they sign uh, Dembele, Paulinho, Dolofeu was a comeback. And Nelson Smith, I don't think it was such a bad transfer window as a lot of people are saying. I think they they needed they definitely need a winger. They definitely need a right back. They bought those players. Paulinho brings some muscle to the to the midfield. It was very expensive considering the player we're talking about, but I, I think it, it can be useful in some moments of the season. And Delphio is a is a comeback, and I think everyone in Catalonia was uh, happy with uh, with Delphio coming back. I'm really concerned about the the panic action in the transfer window, trying to find a uh, designated player. They they wanted to go uh, for Ferrati in the beginning of the transfer window. Mm -hmm. They failed miserably. Then uh, they tried uh, Coutinho. Uh, the old soap opera with Dembele was also kind of sad. The way Drawn out, yeah. yeah. Um, and they I think that was more on Dembele's part than the club's part, though. Yeah, true. Uh, I mean, they failed to get rid of uh, Andre Gomes, Vermaelen. Um, I, I don't see uh, what is uh, Lucas Digne doing at Barca because if <laughs> if do you really need to spend twenty million in a, a average left back that never plays? You don't need to to do that. And uh, Arda Turan is still a, a Barca player. Yeah. It was in Istanbul, and uh, I thought the deal was done, that they were talking about uh, going back to Galatasaray. It didn't happen. It's still a Barca. There was Barca. also the whole thing with the Seri as well at Nice, yeah. wasn't there? Who <laughs> supposedly um, PSG uh, got involved and bid for the player purely to jack the price up <laughs> and weren't interested in actually buying if, him. Well, I was that's, listening, if, I was, I was listening to... True, I was listening to a club director speak the other day um, and he said that's exactly what clubs do. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's wild. I mean, it makes they, sense. They, PSG must really hate Barca. Uh, one final question for you because we're going to have to wrap this up pretty soon. Uh, what the hell's going on with Iniesta? The clubs say he signed a contract. He says he hasn't signed a contract. So he's off to Juventus. Um, I don't know if if, if, if if that's the the outcome of the, this situation. Of course, Bartomeu likes to talk before actually signing things. He, he, he has done this many, many times in the past, and uh, again, he has done it. He said that there's a, that the Iniesta deal is done. Iniesta said, calm down. We still need to sit down, and, and then probably I'll sign it, but I didn't sign anything. So it's, it's more like miscommunication between those two than, than any, anything else. But there's Juve in the picture. 
and um great buy for you it's kind of it, it would be it would be like a pillow move mm, it would be good for, for so. it would be really good for you and also good for iniesta because and iniesta is it, sometimes he looks kind of lost in um in um in in the game in the when he's when he's playing he's been uh at barca for so long he, he, he is you want everything. Mm. So I probably need some uh, extra motivation. He needs to try something new. Go out there. He's also going to be 34 ass. before the end of this season. And, you know, maybe he's wondering to himself, well, will I still have the legs for this next season? The Italian league is perhaps not quite at the same pace as La Liga. Um, he wouldn't have to do perhaps so much running. Um, you wonder if maybe that's the forefront of his mind rather than money or, or anything else yeah potentially uh, the, the, the big question is to uh to know if in the future barca are uh, going to go galacticos or are going back to basics and and uh, get kids from from la masia to to make the team your one word answer to that what will they do i don't think they're going to have the patience to go back to basics i think they're going to panic and start spending a lot of money in big players that's a shame shame a real shame Anyway, that's all from us today. My thanks to Ali, Andre and producer Demo. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.